This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Um, If you uh, were looking at the screen a few moments ago, you'll notice that we're actually talking about Thanksgiving today. But we're starting a new series of lessons uh, on a season to celebrate. And it's going to take us from Thanksgiving through Christmas and then New Year's uh, for the next few weeks. And um, <clears throat> so today I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to teach a lesson on Thanksgiving today. It seems like that uh, we're past that season, or at least that holiday, but, um, but that's a part of the series. And, and so we want to look at Psalm 100 today. And this is a, this is a great psalm. It, um, it's not very long, but it's, uh, it's loaded with God's promises and God's blessings for us. Psalm 100. Let's, um, let's read it together, okay? Uh, you look at it in your Bible as I read through it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that is made it, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Our Father, we do give you praise today. We thank you First of all, Lord, for our salvation. Thank you, dear God, for providing for us a means of redemption from our sin. Thank you for sending your only Son, your only begotten Son, to bear the penalty of our sin upon the cross as payment for our sin, that we, Lord, may be redeemed unto thee, that we can, Lord, be the sheep of your pasture that we can be your people, part of your family. We're grateful for that, Father. We thank you for it. I pray, God, your blessing upon this lesson today. May it be encouraging. May it teach us, Lord, how to praise your name, how to be thankful to you, not just one day a year, but all the days of our life, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. A season to give thanks. Does everybody have the handout? Anybody need the handout? Hands up if you do. All right, everybody has it. Good. What does this holiday season mean to you? And as I mentioned, we're talking about the season from Thanksgiving through New Year's. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. What does it mean to you? Well, to some people, it's an extended vacation from work and studies. Uh, We have some college students that are home with us from uh, college for these these days, and even our high school and grammar school students can say, boy, I get a vacation. I can remember when I was in school, I always looked forward to being home. You know, when I was a student in college, um, they didn't do things back in those days the way they do it now. 
uh, it's a little bit more sensible now. They sent us home for Christmas with the expectation of going back after Christmas to take final exams. Yeah, that's the way it was. Uh, the, the semester wasn't over before Christmas. And, uh, and most colleges operated that way in those days. And so we would always come home with a bunch of books and never open one of them. <laughs> and then go back and immediately have to take final exams. That was a mess. And uh, you, you just, uh, you couldn't enjoy your Christmas vacation because all the time, the whole time you're home, you knew it was gnawing away at you. You got to open those books, you know, and prepare for final exams, but it never happened. But instead we, uh, but, in, uh, but uh, anyway, we, we brought them home anyway. And uh, I don't know why, but we did. Anyway, some people look at it like that. Some people have, think it's a time to celebrate with family and friends, time to reflect uh, on the year that's about to conclude. Um, Thanksgiving, I think, is the most common time that we reflect upon as we gather together with our family around our dinner tables, particularly on Thanksgiving Day, to think about things that we're most thankful for, and rightly so. And uh, I, I'm sure that that happened on your Thanksgiving Day, around your Thanksgiving table, as you gathered with your family, uh, that you were thankful, thankful for your family, thankful to God for his protection, for all the blessings that have come your way during the course of the year. And uh, I thank God for that. You know, Thanksgiving Day has officially been a national celebration um, <clears throat> of gratitude since President George Washington. He declared it a national day of uh, Thanksgiving and praise back in, in 1789. But you might be surprised to learn that that really was not the first declaration or the first time that there were days that were set aside for Thanksgiving. For example, the pilgrims back in the 16th century, they observed certain special days during the week to give thanks to God and for his blessings. But you know, as you, as you look back in the Old Testament, you learn here that long before that, the, the Israelites in the Old Testament days observed feasts of Thanksgiving. For example, in Leviticus chapter 7 and uh, verses uh, 11 through 15, that's the first slide, by the way, Addison. There you go. You got it up. I don't know if you can read that or not. Um, I put it on the screen so you wouldn't have to turn in your Bibles. In fact, there'll be several verses of Scripture on the screen today so that you don't have to flip back and forth in your Bible. But, but look at this. Look at this. This is found in Leviticus chapter 7, beginning of verse 11. It says, uh, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offering which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offer it for a, what? Thanksgiving. Then he shall offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, uh, a fine flour, fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread that uh, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving for his peace offering. And, uh, and of it he shall offer one of the whole oblations for the heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priests that sprinkle the blood of the peace offering, 
and the, and the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten uh, the same day that it was offered. He shall not leave any of it till the morning. And so it's not something new that's come about in the last few hundred years, but it's something that was handed down to us from Old Testament days that we give thanks to God, and, um, and rightly so. Um, throughout God's Word, we learn that thanksgiving, the giving of thanks, it's not an option for believers. Um, it's a command. We're to be thankful in our hearts. In Psalm 92, verse 1, for example, it says, It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto, uh, unto thy name, O Most High. In 1 Chronicles 16, 34, O give thanks unto the Lord, for it is good, for his mercy endureth forever. In Colossians chapter 3, in the New Testament, verse 17, And whatsoever ye do, and word or do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so thanksgiving is not something that is um, an option for us. It really is commanded in the word of God. But you know the truth of the matter is that if we're in a right relationship with God, we don't have to be commanded to thank him, do we? If our relationship with the Lord is correct, and we're going to talk about our hearts and, and the condition of our hearts in just a few moments, but if our hearts are right with God and we have a right relationship with Him, nobody has to tell us or obligate us to giving thanks to God. It's a natural expression of a heart that's in a right relationship with our God. Amen. In our increasingly woke and politically correct society, it's unfortunate that some Christians think they have to participate in that secular nonsense. And they've become afraid to publicly mention God, let alone thank Him for His many blessings. In truth, however, everything we have comes from God. It all comes from God. And, um, and there, ought to be a, there ought to be a public expression of that in, in, in before the Lord. I hope that you're not a part of this woke political society. I'll tell you, it has become, back when, when political correctness first became a, an issue, um, most of us laughed at it. Ha, 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 you know. And, um, but now we've become, we, we have been bombarded with it so much that we've actually kind of accepted it. We, we want to be accepted. Why do we need to be accepted by a society that rejects God? Why do we have to participate with a society that is so woke? I, you know, I've heard this name, this, I heard this word woke for a long time, and it really didn't sink into my brain as to what it really meant, so I looked it up. And you know what it means? It means the society has awoken, awakened. Uh, to, to what's politically correct. Uh, is that true? Uh, I'm going to go back to sleep, folks. <laughs> anyway, 
James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I had a preacher friend one time that uh, was talking about this verse. In fact, he mentioned we were talking together about this verse. And he said, Walt, do you know what the word variable, variableness means in the Greek? I said, no, not really. He says, do you have a camera that... Um, uh, that has a parallax problem. <laughs> I said, what's that? <laughs> Some of us have the old cameras, or used to have the old cameras, you know, that um, <clears throat> had a viewfinder that didn't look through the lens. Sometimes the viewfinder was off to the side of the lens, either under it or over it or some other place. Nowadays, cameras, most cameras, especially our, our iPhone cameras or telephone cameras, uh, and, you know, everything goes through the lens. But if you have a, if you have a camera that does, does not have a through-the-lens uh, viewing system, you have a parallax problem. In other words, if I got real close with a camera like that up to Cherry, and I was looking through the viewfinder for her and the lens was over here, she may be partially out of the picture when I take it. That's what parallax is all about. That's what it means. And that's what this word is. In fact, the word in the, in the Greek is actually parallax. And uh, with God, there is no parallax problem. There's no variableness, is the way the King James expresses it. In other words, God looks at things exactly the way they are. When he looks through the lens of his holiness, his righteousness, he sees it exactly as it is. It's not off to one side or below it or above it. It's exactly every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no parallax problem, no variableness, neither is there shadow of turning. And so everything we have comes from God. Why should we be so reluctant to verbally express to God our gratefulness for it, our thankfulness, our gratitude for all that he does? Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. God wants to know what your requests are. Why don't you thank him in advance for answering your, your prayer? We, I, I think that has that idea. So, Roman numeral number one. Giving thanks reflects our heart for God. And we find this here in verses one and two. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with, sing, with singing. Giving thanks reflects our heart for God. If thanksgiving is a reflection of the heart, then the absence of thanksgiving must also be a reflection of the heart. I think we could agree on that. God made that truth very clear to us in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. Look at that verse. It's on the screen. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. 
and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Think about that for a minute. Have you ever wondered why some people have nothing but negative, spiteful things to say about or to anyone else? While other people are always positive and they're full of encouragement, have you ever thought about that? You know, there's some people that you talk with, all they, all they can do is, all, all they have is just negative things. Negative, negative, negative. Now, sometimes we need to be negative. No question about that. But we don't always have to be negative. We don't always have to speak with a spiteful spirit. You know why people do that? It's their heart. What's in their heart? Whatever's in your heart or my heart will eventually come to the surface. It'll come out through our words or through what we do, but, but it will be obvious sometimes what we really are. We can hide it for a little while. We can sugarcoat it perhaps. But eventually what we really are is going to come out. It's going to come to the surface. And a lot of times in our conversations, our heart really comes to the top. And, uh, and Jesus made that very clear here when he said this. They said that. So, letter A. Uh, there are several, a, a heart of thanks has three characteristics, and here they are. First one, letter A, it's a heart of joy. We, we've looked at verses 1 and 2 here a couple of times, but notice what it says. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with, what's the next word? Gladness. And, and so, um, a heart that's filled with thanks uh, has the characteristic of being a heart of joy. A heart of joy. The word gladness there in that verse is a Hebrew word which means joy, gaiety, pleasure. A heart of joy produces an attitude of thanksgiving. And uh, if, if that's our heart, we're going to be thankful. And thankful not only to God for what he's done, but thankful for other people who do nice things for us occasionally. You know, I was, I was brought up to hold the door for uh, the next person coming out, whether it's a woman or a man, uh, especially for a woman. Uh, I was brought up to, hold, to open the door for my wife, Gordon. Gordon, I was brought up to hold the car door, open the car door for my wife. You weren't? You were. You were, okay. There's a little little private joke between us here. We won't let you in on at this time. But anyway, he caught my wife getting out of the car the other day while I'm still sitting behind the steering wheel, and I haven't I haven't heard the end of it yet. <laughs> and you know, it used to be that the person you were holding the door for, as they passed through, they would say thank you. Remember that? Remember those days? But do you know what most of them do nowadays? <laughs> Makes you want to let go of the door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. 
But I say, I have to tell you, I'm tempted. <laughs> Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Heart of joy. Heart of joy. Uh, Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Make a joyful noise. <clears throat> there are some people that, that just can't sing. And that's not a criticism. It's the way God made you. Some people just can't sing. But you know what? I, I, I don't read here, uh, make a beautiful, harmonious sound as you sing the psalms. It just says make a joyful noise, right? And so I've had the unfortunate pleasure of standing beside some people sometimes that are singing it though they can't sing on key. And, but they make a joyful noise. And, uh, and that's fine. Make a joyful noise, you know. If you can't carry a tune, sing anyway. Express your heart. That's an expression of the heart. Even if, they're, even if you're tone deaf and you, can't, and you can't really get on key, make a joyful noise to the Lord with your heart. Amen. God delights in our thanksgiving, thanksgiving when we express it to him in song with a joyful attitude. There are reflections of the heart that say, no matter what else is going on in my life, Lord, I'm so grateful to you that everything is going well. Amen. Remember that Sunday school song we used to sing? There's joy, 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 joy. Where? <laughs> Down in my heart. We ought to sing that more often. Letter B, the second characteristic, it's a heart of service. In the second verse here it says, serve the Lord. That's the first word of the second verse. An attitude of thanksgiving will never be separated from a heart that knows the value of serving God. Serve the Lord. When we give thanks and praise, <clears throat> we're offering up service from a heart of gratitude, a responding, uh, responding to a great heart, a great love that God has manifested toward, toward us. The uh, former De uh, Denver Broncos quarterback, uh, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was a born again, is a born again Christian. I think he's still living. Born again Christian, and, and he's used to receiving all kinds of criticism, both on the gridiron and off of it, like most Christians are, um, <clears throat> for, his, uh, for his faith in Christ. He was not afraid uh, or, or timid about expressing his faith in the Lord. If you remember, if he was ever interviewed after a football game, he'd always get a word of testimony in. He'd always mention, always say thank you for God, to God for, uh, for whatever, you know. In an ESPN interview one time, uh, he was asked by the interviewer why he felt compelled to, uh, to talk to others about Jesus. And this was his response. I think this is in your notes, isn't it? Maybe not, I'm not sure. But anyway, <clears throat> here's what he said. And this goes along with what Pastor said from the pulpit this morning, doesn't it? He says, if you're married and you have a wife and you really love your wife, it's, it's, uh, it, 
is it good enough to say to your wife, I love you on the day that you get married? Or should you tell her every single day when you wake up and when you have the opportunity? And that's how I feel about my relationship with Jesus Christ, he said. It's the most important thing in my life. So every opportunity I have to tell him I love him or, or I'm, I'm given an opportunity to shout him out on, the, on, the na on national television says I'm going to take that opportunity. That's good. That's good. Now that's not pol politically correct. Thank you, Tim Tebow. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. The love of Christ constrains us. And when our heart is in a right relationship with the Lord, we don't have much problem speaking to him the heart of our, the, the, the expression of our love to him uh, from our heart, giving him thanks. Charles Spurgeon said this one time, he says, they are sure to, they, uh, they are sure to praise God best who serve him best. And when we're serving the Lord, we'll praise him. Even for the privilege of serving him, we'll praise him. We'll serve him gladly from our hearts that, uh, from a heart that realizes that we have been blessed far more than we deserve or than we could ever imagine. Uh, God has been such good, so good to us. Letter C, here's the, th the third characteristic. It's a heart of praise. We have to teach our children to say thank you. You know why? Because it's not a natural response. Usually those people that walk through the door like that have not been taught properly. And so probably goes back to their parents, perhaps, you know. I'm grateful for parents, especially my mom, my, and dad did as well. But my mom always demanded from us that we respect uh, our elders, that we, that we express our gratitude to people who are kind to us and helpful to us. Uh, we're always polite, and uh, she taught us some things that were very, very important. And I'm, fr I'm afraid that the more recent generations have, have lost that sense, um, sense of gratitude. But it's a heart of praise. We have to teach our children. It's not a natural response, not a natural response of the heart to reach out in praise and thanksgiving. What's natural is to, is, is to take without thinking from those who give. But as children get older, we expect them to learn the lesson of showing gratitude. And so much, uh, so, much so that, that when teens and adults fail to say thank you, uh, we, we think they're rude. And they are rude. And so we're thinking properly. A failure to be thankful is a reflection of the heart that needs to repent of the sin of selfishness. The attitude, the, Christian, the attitude of Christian maturity is, Lord, I give you my praise for all that you have and for everything that you've done for me. That's a good response. At the age of 21, the Baptist scholar Robert Robinson 
wrote the words of a hymn that we sing very often. I want you to notice the connection in this hymn. Notice the connection that he makes between thankfulness and praise. Here it is. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Tune my heart. Tune up my heart, God, to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise them out, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. We sing that often, probably sometimes when we sing it, we're not even thinking about what we sing. And the truth is that, and I, and I do the same thing, we know these hymns, we're so familiar with these hymns sometimes that we don't stop to think about what we're singing. Uh, we know them by rote. And I uh, appreciate what Pastor Davis does every once in a while in the pulpit to stop and remind us of what the song's about that we're about to sing. I think it draws our attention back to the message of the song, not just the melody and the words that we're so familiar with that we overlook the message of it when we do sing. Uh, when we give thanks to God, we reflect a heart for God full of joy, service, and praise, and qualities built into our life um, by the way, by the act of thanksgiving. And that brings us to the second major point, Roman numeral number two, giving thanks respects the ways of God. Would you look at verse three? The psalmist here says, Know ye that the Lord he is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so giving thanks respects the ways of God. The presence of thanksgiving is an indicator that, that we know and respect the Lord for who he is. It's the attitude of Christians who daily seek to become less like themselves and cultivate more an identity as the people of God. And that's what Paul told us to do, that we are to develop into the image of Christ. Every day we should, we should work on developing, becoming more like Christ, developing the image of Christ in ourselves. And, uh, and giving thanks to God helps us do that. The presence of thanksgiving is an indica indicator that we know and respect our Lord for who he is. Uh, we are his people. So letter A, the first thing there, he is our sovereign says, the Lord, he is God. He's sovereign. He is our God. When we give thanks to God, we acknowledge that he is sovereign, the supreme ruler of the universe. Look at what 1 Chronicles chapter 29 says, verses 11 through 13. And, and, and notice the words, the words that I've underlined here in this passage. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, the victory, the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom of Lord. Thou art exalted as head above all. He's sovereign. Both riches and honor come of thee. You ever thought about how much money do you have in the bank? I'm not asking you to give me a verbal answer here. What do you own? What are your possessions like? 
kind of a car do you drive? How large of a home do you live in? You know it all came from God. You say, no, I worked hard for that. Yeah, well, thank God for the breath he gave you to work hard. All right? You got any other arguments I can talk about? <laughs> Where was I? Both riches and honor come to thee, and thou reignest over all your sovereign. And in thy hand is power, might, and in thine hand is, is to make great and to give strength unto all. And now, therefore, our God, oh, we, we, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. We have a sovereign God. He reigns. And uh, the basis, the basis of, of intelligent worship is to acknowledge all the roads that, that all the roads do not lead to the same place. There's only one sovereign God, and there's only one way to get to him. I, I, hear, I hear this so much. Well, you know, I, I worship God in my way. I worship, I worship God my way. Or I, I'm going to heaven my way. You ain't going to heaven your way. Neither am I. I'm going to go his way or no way. He's the only one that I put any confidence in says, my way or the highway. He's the only one that I can respect for saying that. Because that's true. It's either his way or no way, right? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Even in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 9, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, but let, the rich, uh, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You see, this season, if there's anything that we can celebrate, it's not ourselves or anything that we think we have done or are going to do or have accomplished. That's not what we should celebrate. But it's the knowledge that the Lord is God. And that brings our hearts a whole, to our hearts a whole appreciation for thanksgiving. And when we realize that everything we have belongs to him. And we all be grateful for it and thank him for it. <clears throat> it also means that we can have hearts full of thanksgiving, not just one day in the year, but every day of the year, and we can praise him. You know, it's easy to be thankful on Thanksgiving Day at the dinner table when we're surrounded by our family and everything, or on Christmas morning when we're surrounded again by family, plenty of food, gifts, and all that sort of thing. It's easy to be thankful in, those co in that context, isn't it? But it's a hard, lot harder to give thanks on January the 2nd when the holiday mode is waning and when life changes, challenges are beginning to come back to us again. But we're coming back to reality. Sometimes it's a little more difficult to, re, to rejoice in our heart and be thankful to God. 
To keep a heart of thanksgiving, we must understand that no matter whether the times are easy or hard, good or bad, the Lord is God. He is sovereign. He's always in control. And then letter B, he is our creator. He is our creator. The second part of verse 3 says, It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. People who think they're self-made can never really truly be thankful when they don't acknowledge from where they came, how they got here. They refuse to understand that not only did God create us, but that everything we have comes from him. And in response, it is only reasonable that we should give him honor and praise his name. The songwriter Thomas Ken expressed it like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We don't sing that. We call it the doxology. The glory dox, doxology comes from a Greek word doxa, which means glory. And uh, that's the reason it's called the doxology. doxology. Glory to God. And... Uh, we don't sing that as much as we ought to, I think, but, uh, but we should be reminded. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and, and the first verse in that chapter says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while thy days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. So Solomon says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, and when those days are gone, you'll still be praising God, is what he's saying literally in this verse. Uh, while, 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 the days, while the evil days come not, and, uh, and in the days, and, and nor the days draw near, we can always remember who our Creator is. Letter C, He's our Redeemer. We are His people. We are the sheep of his pasture, it tells us there. God didn't just make us and then abandon us to the world to do life on our own. That was not God's purpose in, in, create, in creating us and placing us here in, in, the, in the world. The Bible says we are his people. We are sheep in his pasture. He takes care of us. And isn't his pastor green? In Psalm 23, he says, He leadeth me beside still waters and pastures that are green. And uh, so we're sheep in those pastures, and I thank God for that. To be called a child of God is no small thing. Some people live under the misconception that because we're born into the world that we're automatically members of God's family. That's a lie. And uh, a lot of people believe that, that we're all God's children. And, uh, but that's not the case. In fact, when Jesus was speaking to the unbelieving Pharisees and the priests of his day in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, listen to what he says. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and a father of it. 
In other words, Jesus, Jesus says there are some people that, whose father is the devil. They're, they're not God's children. They're the devil's children. And every one of us were the devil's children until we were redeemed and brought into his pasture, became his sheep and his people. And that takes another birth. When we were born, we were born into this world, not as children of God. Creation of God, yes, but not as children of God. It takes another birth to become a child of God. A new birth, as he describes for us and explains to us in John chapter 3. A new birth it takes to become a child of God. John 8, 44, I just read that. And uh, so we're not automatically a part of the family of God. To be a child of God, there must be a time when we recognize that our identity is a sinner and in need of a Redeemer and receive the gift of God that is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12, it says this, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. That word meet is an old English word. It means fit. That God has made us fit to be partakers of the, of the, of the inheritance of the saints of light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath transformed us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. That's when we become a child of God. That's when we become part of his pasture and can feed, can feed in his pasture. That's when we become his people. When we understand that we were separated from him and we're but we're delivered from that power of darkness through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has made it crystal clear that there's a way of redemption for all sinners. I was uh, grateful this morning how the pastor made that clear from the pulpit that, uh, if there's someone in our congregation, someone congregated with us this morning, if you're not saved, now's the time. And I would extend also that invitation here in this class. I, I believe that uh, as I look around the crowd, I, I believe everyone here in this class has made a profession of faith. But just in case there would be someone here today that you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, oh, how you need to come to Him. You can't go to heaven without coming through Christ and accepting Him as your Savior, being born again, as Jesus explains to us there in that third chapter of John. Being born again, accepting what he did upon Calvary's cross and that offer of redemption that God made possible through his son there on that cross. Come to him today. This is a wonderful time to do that. Only then, when you become a child of God, do you really have something in your heart that you can praise God for. And if you need to know Christ as your Savior, I'll be glad to take some time with you after the class and sit down with you and, and to carefully show you from the scripture how you can be a child of God, how you can feast in his pasture and you can be one of his people. Roman numeral three, number three. Giving thanks responds to the love of God. Look at verses four and five. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. 
This is a response to the love of God. These verses tell us how people of Israel would enter into the gates of Jerusalem with a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving when they came to the temple for worship. They came with a heart of thanksgiving when they entered into the gates of Jerusalem. You know, back in those days, the central place of service, of, of serving God, was the temple that was located there in Jerusalem. And people from all over Palestine would come uh, on, on the, the feast days and the worship days, and they'd enter into the city, enter into Jerusalem on the way to the Temple Mount to serve God, to, to praise the Lord. And their hearts were filled with rejoicing because they're coming together as the people of God to, to worship Him. And they would come with their hearts filled with praise. They would enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts, talking about the courts the court around the temple, the court area around the, around the temple itself. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Is that the way you came to church today? Or did you have a fuss with the, your husband or your wife before you left the house? And you came here and said, with an attitude of, I don't really want to sit by her today. I'm kind of mad at her, you know. Or did you come in the doors today thanking God for the privilege that he's given you to worship him, to praise his name, to study his word? That ought to be our, that ought to be our attitude as we come into the house of God. This is the house of God. Uh, it, it's his church. It's where the body of Christ meets. Now, <clears throat> uh, the church is not the building. We're the church, but... Uh, but the church meets in this building, and, and it's got doors. And when we come in, we can say, praise God, we're here together today. We can have a wonderful time in the Lord. That should be our, that should be our attitude. Instead of coming troubled with the, uh, with, with the things that are going on around us and, 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 and sit in the service troubled about things and, uh, as if, uh, you know, we don't even know where we are. Can we learn that when we come to the place of worship that we can just blot out the world? Hard to do. But we ought to work on that. Just blot out the things of the world. If you have a complaint about something, you have a gripe, you don't come to church to, to gripe about something. Come to church with joy in your heart and praise in your heart for God and leave that stuff aside. You know, if you have a complaint with some sister or brother in Christ, uh, take care of that. But come to church to worship God with joy in your heart and thanksgiving, because thanksgiving responds to the love of God for what he's done for us. So letter A, we can respond with worship. Many people think, worship as, think of worship as music, and then more specifically sometimes as a particular style of music. But you know, music is only one form of worship. You can worship God without a single musical instrument, but the truth is uh, music and musical instruments were very, are very much a part of the worship. They were the very much a part of the worship in the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. 
uh, they came with joy and they had musical instruments and they played them and, and, uh, and they sang songs. The, most of the hymns we have in our, in our Bible were written as uh, songs to be sung in the temple worship. In fact, many of them tell us that. Uh, psalm 100 itself is a psalm of praise. Um, and many others uh, will, will give you that, that indication there in the, in the, the subtitle at the top. Um, that they, they were songs that were sung and instruments, musical instruments were used. The, the harp and, and other types of instruments were used for thanksgiving. Worship is a state of the heart that gives respect and adoration to God. It's an expression from the heart of the worth of God. You know the word worship itself? If you study the edif the uh, What's the word? The, 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 huh? I can't hear you. Etymology. etymology. Thank you. <laughs> if you study the etymology of that word, you know what it means? Worth. In fact, the word worship comes from worthship. Not, wor not worship, but worthship. You know, lift a little bit when you say it. <laughs> Worthship. We recognize the worth of God. That's what worship is, is recognizing God for who he is and for what he's done. It's the worth of God that we express back to him for what he's done. And uh, so one of, the ways, one of the ways that worship uh, takes place is by giving him thanks. In fact, uh, thanks always includes giving, the giving of thanks. When we read that passage from Leviticus, remember uh, the giving, the word giving appeared in that passage several times? Giving, uh, whether it's uh, uh, giving our praise, our song, our substance, or our service, uh, we do it all to worship God. That's all part of our worship, worshiping God. Thanksgiving should always be in our hearts, and it should never end, no matter what the case may be. During a harvest festival in India, there was a poor elderly lady that, that arrived at church one time with an extraordinarily large offering of rice. And um, it was far more than she could afford. And the itinerant pastor of that church, uh, he didn't know her very well, but because he, he knew that she was very poor, he asked her this question. He asked her uh, if, if, uh, the, if the offering was in gratitude for some unusual blessing. And this was her response. Yes, she replied, my son was sick and I promised a large gift to God if, uh, if, uh, if he got well. And uh, the pastor said, oh, well, your son recovered. And, uh, and she says, no. He died last week, but I know he's in God's care, and for that I'm, I'm especially thankful. And you know, we, if we have hearts like that, knowing that regardless of what the circumstances may be or how it all turns out, it's to the glory of God, isn't it? All things work to the glory of God, uh, to our good and to his glory. And so we can give him praise and thank him for all things that he that he does for us. Um, 
some of the greatest opportunities to worship God is during difficult times. We find this in the life of Job. Let me just read this passage in Job. Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Uh, here's what Job said. Then Job arose and rent his clothes and shaved his head. This was after he lost everything. He lost his health, he lost his uh, wealth, and he lost his ten kids. And this is what he did. Um, it said he fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Worshipped God. Now you think about that for a minute. He's lost everything. Lost his family. He's lost uh, his substance. He's, he just lost it all. Lost all of his flocks. His herds. And this is what he said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> Job, and now he, he, he had his problems. We know that. He struggled with that. All you have to do is read uh, the next few chapters of the book of Job. And then at the end, when you get to the last, last few chapters of Job, God chided him a little bit. He says, where were you when I created the universe? God asked Job that. Where were you when I put the stars in the skies? Where were you when I did this? And Where were you, Job? And he had to bring Job back to reality. But the truth is, when Job lost everything, he recognized that it was the hand of God. Did you hear that? He recognized that it was the hand of God. And so he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. What an attitude. And, you know, <clears throat> I don't know anybody in this class that lost everything that Job lost. But there are people in this class that you've, learned, you've lost some things. Some of you have lost a spouse. Some of you have lost uh, other things. And in those circumstances, it takes an awful lot of grace, doesn't it, to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave, the Lord took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. I wish I, wish I had a heart like that. Uh, I have to confess that I have to work on that. I really do. And I know some of you do as well. But God's gracious, isn't he? And his grace is sufficient for us. In all these circumstances, God's grace is more than sufficient for us. And God can work it all out. And then <clears throat> we're a little over time here, so let me just wrap this up. Letter B, we can respond with gratitude. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. The victory's in Christ. It's not in us, it's in Christ. Let me finish with this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, he said, when we bless God for mercies, we usually prolong them. When we bless God for miseries, we usually end them. Praise is the honey of life, which a devout heart extracts from every, every bloom of providence and grace. Father God, thank you for the honey. 
that we have. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, for the, the many things you do for us, the, all the things that we have in you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be sheep in your pasture, to be a part of your family, to be, be, to be your people. Thank you, God, for all the blessings that we experience during the course of our lives. Thank you for the hardships. They help us. They strengthen us. They teach us your graciousness as we place our dependence upon you. And let us go from here today, God, with these thoughts we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.